0: We have a big announcement to make. But before I do that, I'm going to start things right off the bat with Every Slap Tells a Story as a way to introduce my co host. Real ones know about one of the all time classics The Cat Came Back by one Uncle Rich, which is a heartwarming campfire song about loyalty. The central message is that no matter how hard you try to get rid of someone, and regardless of the various circumstances that get in the way, the cat will always find a way to make its return. Well, ladies and gentlemen, joining me today is a very familiar voice and somebody who I just can't seem to keep away from the microphone. He is indeed the cat who
1: came back, Mr. Robbie Silver. Welcome home, boss. Wow, Greg, thank you for having me back. I would just like to say that is the best introduction I've ever received. It was metaphorical and incorporated, my favorite uncle, Uncle Rich. So I appreciate it, and I'm thrilled for an exciting episode. Well, I don't know
0: if both Marks, Paul, Gary, and Ted would have to say about that one, but that's a story for another time. So getting back to our big announcement, would you like
1: to do the big reveal? I would. <clears throat> so, I am very pleased to announce that Potty Train Me is now on Etsy. Yes, you heard me right. They're selling merchandise. We have t-shirts of multiple colors, tanks in the both men and woman size, and rumor has it they may even be creating a beach towel sometime soon. Although that could just be speculation. I ordered a shirt last night, and I'm excited for it to get here, and you should all order yours to show your support. So all devoted listeners, I encourage you to hop on that.
0: Thank you very much. And that is right. I am a seller on Etsy now and have never felt more like an adult. It is a huge milestone in my life. So please help me and Robbie celebrate By going and checking out our list of merchandise, we have two different t-shirts, four colors total, two different types of tank tops. I expect to create even more options soon, although you might have to check your sources on this uh, beach towel business. Hmm, that sounds enticing.
1: It was a TMZ story, so we can't take it too seriously.
0: Oh, well, that makes a lot more sense. Anyway, the name of the store on Etsy is Podcast Merch, all one word. Capital P, capital M. Again, that is podcast merch. And the sooner you place an order, the more likely you will be to qualify for a big boy discount.
1: What's the code to get the big boy discount?
0: Uh, Well, it's not a public code. It's going to be a matter of directly contacting me. So do I qualify for one? Oh, you know you already got your discount.
1: (laughs) I'm just playing with you.
0: (laughs) Ha ha! Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on to something a little bit more depressing for us. The we got to talk about the Aaron Rodgers insanity, and that's a big reason why you're here with me today. So, for those of you who aren't as glued into the NFL, the Green Bay Packers franchise quarterback and the NFL's reigning MVP, Aaron Rodgers, made a big splash in the media on draft day, courtesy of Adam Schefter's reports, by announcing that he wants out of Green Bay. Since then, there have been many more reports from a variety of different sources about what Rodgers has said to his teammates, his relationships with management and the coaching staff, and how they've gone out to LA to try to meet with him, uh, the possibility of his retirement, and much more. So we have been pretty hardcore about the Packers for many years now. This past NFC Championship was really painful to watch, and the result was one that was super hard to come to terms with. I would personally put it in my top two most heartbreaking games as a sports fan. Uh, That goes for any sport. So going back to episode one, I would actually make some changes if I was to record today. That's how much it sucked. Um, You told me a few hours after the game that it didn't feel like the end of a season, but like the end of an era and part of our childhood. I think that's a statement that makes a lot more sense in this present context. So the first thing I want to ask you, Robbie, is do you feel like you saw this whole thing coming?
1: I would say yes and no. Um, After that NFC Championship, I was super bitter about everything and the future of that organization. And maybe part of it was just that the loss was still fresh in my mind and everything was stinging. But it almost feels like my worst fears about the future of the franchise are now playing out. I think that I did see this coming for a while and that the management has been making questionable decisions for a while. Um, You have Aaron Rodgers, this transcendent talent and yet they stick to their philosophy of building through the draft and not being super aggressive in free agency. And this has been something that's frustrating Aaron Rodgers for a while. So I'm not surprised that he's asking out now given that this is something that he's voiced his concerns over in the past and they haven't changed their philosophy. Um, But I was surprised in the sense that the specific timing of it seemed a little bit weird to me. I feel like this is something that would have happened in free agency. I mean, obviously, in his press conference after that Packers-Bucks-NFC championship game, he did question his future with the organization. But then there was just kind of a quiet period for a while. So I guess just the breaking news took me by surprise somewhat, which is why I would say I didn't completely see it coming.
0: Well, that's all very fair. And it's actually come out that Adam Schefter had been gathering different reports for days and weeks leading up to the draft and decided to drop the bombshell on draft day. Apparently Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee podcast was criticizing him of that. Although, uh, to Adam Schefter's credit, A, he is doing his job, and B, Aaron Rodgers hasn't exactly been the most proactive in terms of confirming or denying all of these reports and kind of just let this madness happen around him. So that sort of leads me into my next question for you, which is that I know we're obviously biased toward defending the quarterback we've been watching since before he even got into the league, back in 2003 at California Memorial Stadium. But do you think he has a right to act out like this? And does he deserve any
1: blame? I think he absolutely has a right to be frustrated with the organization. I think that he is maybe the best quarterback of all time. I know that might ruffle some feathers out there in the sports world. So I think that it's reasonable for him to want his organization to use this uh, specific window and go out and try to get as many players as they can to win the maximum amount of Super Bowls. Um, I mean, I think that the way he's handling the situation could be a little bit better. He's not being super direct about what he wants. It's just kind of been these secondary sources that have been saying that he's upset about the way that the organization is handling the draft. Um, so I don't know. It's a it's a mixed answer. He has a right to be upset, absolutely. Um, but he also deserves some blame for not being as direct and confrontational as he might be if you really wanted to repair things. Yeah, we don't
0: exactly know what's going on behind the scenes in terms of his conversations with. Matt Lafleur, Brian Gutekunst, Mark Murphy, other prominent individuals within the organization, but at least from where we are standing, it's all been very confusing and obviously stressful as fans. Very sad as well. Brett Favre just came out and said that he would bet that Aaron Rodgers would sit out as opposed to play for the Packers next season, and you know that's that's hardcore. I mean, this is going to turn into a vicious stare down. It seems. Yeah,
1: I'm not looking forward to it.
0: Well, many of the world's most obnoxious sports scholars from Twitter have brought up interesting counterarguments to this whole situation, such as Aaron Rodgers' underwhelming NFC championship stats in five games. He has an eighty-three point seven passer rating. His touchdown to interception ratio is nine to eight. Uh, they've also brought up how he's not going to get a much better situation than the one he already has. They hired the progressive young offensive coach who's 26-6 and six in two regular seasons. They have one of the top receivers in the league. Uh, Aaron Jones is coming back, and he's probably a top 10 running back. So do you have anything to say in response to those kind of statements?
1: I would just say that I feel like Aaron Rodgers has been asked to cover up for his team in ways that lots of other great quarterbacks, such as Tom Brady and even Patrick Mahomes, haven't had to. I mean, yes, he's had a few shaky NFC championship games, but for example, Tom Brady in this past NFC championship game threw three interceptions, and yet because his organization was aggressive in the Uh, previous free agency and went out and got a bunch of talent because they knew had they had Tom Brady on their team. Those other players were able to cover up for his mistakes in the second half and win the game. Whereas Aaron Rodgers, sure. Maybe he wasn't as transcendent as he has been in other games, but all in all, he still played a pretty good game minus the interception, which some might argue was a missed holding call. And I just think that they do have a talented team. I don't want to discount Matt LaFleur, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, their uh, great skills, but I think that it's apparent how important he is for the team. Uh, when, for for instance, when he has been injured in the previous years, the team has been like hanging on by a thread and it's just clearly not the same. So It just seems like if they went out and got a few other playmakers on the team, it could be a completely different situation.
0: Yeah, totally. And not even necessarily playmakers, but just veterans that have a certain kind of knowledge or attitude, such as uh, Richard Sherman for a corner. I know we've obviously had a lot of Richard Sherman hate with that whole Seahawks phase, but that's just an example of the type of players they could be going after. Uh, They could be inquiring about Julio. Maybe there's a possibility that he could be on the trading block. And so, yeah, I think that's all very fair. And you bring up those NFC championship performances. Well, let's actually think about this because the first one he was in, they won. Uh, The second one was of course the epic collapse against the Seahawks, which was one, Brandon Bostic fuck up away
1: from them going to a Super Bowl. Or ha-ha Clinton Dix playing defense on a two-point conversion. Right. Then you have,
0: uh, Then was the Falcons NFC yeah. Championship where, yes, Aaron Rodgers did not play his best game, but Kyle Shanahan clearly came ready to tear that defense apart, and the Falcons seemed like they could have scored 70 points if it
1: turned into a shootout. Yeah, and the same thing with the next NFC Championship appearance against the 49ers. Um, even if Aaron Rodgers had played a perfect game, the defense was never going to be able to stop the run. So it's not like
0: you can oh, really come blame on. that on
1: him. There was
0: only 200 yards of rushing before <laughs> contacts, not 300. <laughs> yeah, so then the Niners were clearly the better team there. And then if you look at this last one, you know, you kind of said it, he wasn't. Amazing, but he was pretty good and definitely outperformed Brady in that second half. Uh, The collapse at the end of the half with Kevin King on the Scotty Miller touchdown, not Roger's fault. Um, You know, they made the decision to kick the field goal, which I have a lot of respect and support for Matt LaFleur. So I don't necessarily hate the decision, although we weren't. uh, We were a little bit anxious about it at the time. But it was going to be fourth and goal from the eight. So not the easiest situation, although I personally would have gone for it, though hindsight is always twenty twenty. And yeah, then, you know, you have to drop two-point conversion. Uh, just other little things there. They were really missing David Bakhtiari, who yeah. went down to injury. And so...
1: Eric Jones got injured in the second half. And not to be the guy who blames the ref, but there was some questionable officiating or inconsistencies to say the least.
0: Yeah, inconsistencies are what drive me crazy because people who didn't watch the game and then went back and saw the hold would be like, Is this what Packers fans are really complaining about? That's a total textbook hold. And it was like, Well, sure, maybe that's a hold in the context of we're going to throw the flag on that every time that happens this game, but the refs. Up until that point, we're letting them play and let go much more severe holding calls. And that goes for both sides of the ball. So to throw the flag there and basically decide the game was just kind of the final nail in the coffin and one that was really frustrating. So, yeah. And then actually the other side of it I want to touch on is some of the playoff games that the Packers have won or just been in position to win – Aaron Rodgers had to do some insane shit just to get them there. And yes, I know we are super biased and have spent a lot of time thinking about this, but think about going on the road against the number one seeded Cowboys and yeah. how crazy Aaron Rodgers was in that throw he made to Jared Cook. Of course, Mason Crosby also did some epic things with two 50-yard field goals, 50-plus. Uh, yeah, And then you think about the Cardinals game, which they lost after that great Larry Fitzgerald play in overtime. But to just get that to overtime, converting a fourth and 20 from their own end zone. And then when I look at that Hail Mary, that might be the greatest throw I've ever seen because you watch that film and he has no chance from the beginning. He snaps the ball, is already on the back (laughs) of his feet, throws it to the side of the field where there's only one Packers target. And Jeff Janis, who... Like, who? Jeff Janis goes up and makes a great play. So, yeah, I mean, I know we're super biased when it comes to some of the Packers and Aaron Rodgers talk, but it seems like in the games where they've won, he's had to do some crazy stuff. Uh, And then even just to get into the playoffs, that one year, the 48-yard touchdown to Randall Cobb, we could go on and on. So I get the frustration when you bring up Tom Brady could afford to throw three interceptions including one of the ugliest passes we've ever seen in that stage with the third one just chucking it up to I mean that was like that was like a Derek Carr panic throw or like Vince Young when he was kind of on the downhill I mean that was just that was bad Tom Brady played great in that first half but that one throw Drove me insane to think that you can get away with that. uh, That
1: throw was described by a sports journalist close to us as the most arrogant pass he has ever seen before.
0: (laughs) Well, anyway, uh, so all very depressing stuff to think about, but we're gonna do a little are you with it because it does fit this theme of Aaron Rodgers and Packers drama. There were reports that went out saying that Aaron Rodgers wanted GM Brian Gutekunst gone, and so long as he was there, he will not play for the Packers. So I just have to ask, are you with the prospect of Brian Gutekunst and Mark Murphy being removed
1: from the organization? I mean, as much as I want to provide an interesting – or balanced opinion here. And you guys probably already know what I'm going to say. Yes, I'm absolutely with it. I think that this choice is too obvious when you have to pick between a great quarterback and a couple of guys in management. I think that, I mean, no person, no singular person in management, I don't even care how great you are, is going to have as much of an impact on your team as, a future first ballot hall of famer. So if what it, a, the situation appears to be where you have to choose between Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekets or Aaron Rodgers, I think the choice is too obvious and you have to choose Aaron Rodgers.
0: Yeah, and I would also like to provide a balanced debate here, but this is a little bit too obvious. I am 100% with it. I don't care if Aaron Rodgers comes off as petty, passive-aggressive, or just kind of weird. The bottom line is, if your franchise player is that good at their sport, you better find ways to make them happy. And this is not something that just goes to Aaron Rodgers. I would defend Russell Wilson this way. I would defend Drew Brees. I would defend Tom Brady, maybe even Trace McSorley. (laughs) So yeah, it's like, has... Think about, like, was Michael Jordan weird? Yeah, he was a fucking weirdo. But, you know, Jerry Krause even got criticized for splitting up the dynasty too early, as he should. Uh, Kevin Durant seems a little bit weird to yeah. try not to make him happy. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, where are you going to find... Oh, Like, oh, we'll just find another Kevin Durant in the draft. Yeah. I don't know. And, and it just seems at the moment they weren't even giving him clarity about his future this whole period since drafting Jordan Love. Now they're continuing just to play their passive game while refusing to trade him and expecting to win some kind of stare down with him. The last thing I want to say is that I would rather have Mark Murphy from Chopped running the team. And I think he's a mega douchebag. So it's not like I've got particularly high standards for management out here.
1: Wow. Mark Murphy, who infamously made a kid cry on Chopped, and you would rather have him as in management. So that is definitely saying something. Yeah, that
0: does. uh, Yeah, it does say something. That was a I I don't want to describe that scene as funny because I felt so bad for the kid. But it was funny to me that Mark Murphy was such a douchebag to the point where he made a kid cry and then had to go apologize
1: Yeah, he deserved to be humbled, for sure. Uh,
0: Okay, so actually, before we get off this Packers thing, I do want to touch on one more thing, because we're kind of now looking toward the future. So let's go back to the draft, where they had the 29th pick, they took a corner with that Mm -hmm. first-round pick. Do you think that's something that should elicit a strong reaction?
1: Look, I feel like if literally on the day of the draft, if that wasn't the day where the breaking news had come out that Aaron Rodgers wanted out and was frustrated with management, and it was obvious that in order for them to keep him there, they needed to go be aggressive and make some moves, then I would be fine with the pick because Kevin King was shaky all of last year and especially in the NFC championship game. So corner is a position that they could use. And I'm also fine with drafting the center in the second round and then trading up to draft a receiver in the third round. Um, But I think the part about it that's frustrating, as I kind of touched on earlier, is that they needed to make a big move, like trade for a big veteran player or trade up in the draft and grab a receiver. um, Because, By just sticking to their same uh, strategy, I think it just frustrated Aaron Rodgers further. Yeah, I think that
0: you touched on that really nicely. And can you just confirm for our listeners real quick that I've had a lot of anxiety about Kevin King well before that NFC Championship? Oh,
1: absolutely. At least two years prior, I believe.
0: Yeah, so I've always been a little bit iffy on this Kevin King thing. And we re-signed him. So remember uh, when dad told us that at dinner and I said, why did you have to ruin dinner like that? (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, the pick, like, could they use a corner? Yeah, of course. Was it the worst move in the world? No, but the pick did send a message to Aaron Rodgers and Packer fans around the world, which was essentially, we're going to do what we do. We're not going to change our philosophy because of what you think. And it's not even going to change our draft strategy despite you making all these drastic and potentially threatening public statements against our organization. So I will never understand Goody and Company, but if they are to be employed by, uh, you know, if they're to be employed elsewhere, (laughs) I would not necessarily shed tears of sadness. Right, because you never actively
1: wish for someone to get fired from their job, right?
0: No, I don't, but I also don't understand how they operate, so we're just going to leave it at that. It's just, it's it's a suggestion. It's a suggestion to the football I hope gods. I they get relocated. Yeah, I hope they get promoted to
1: <laughs> the Houston Texans. <laughs> or the tampa bay buccaneers for that matter or
0: new england patriots (laughs) and they can reunite with one mackery jones (laughs) (laughs) all right enough banter enough banter really though because we're about to just go into less depressing talk we're going to talk about the fact that we're at college together now it's kind of crazy huh
1: Yeah, I mean, even during a pandemic, it's still a pretty cool experience. We even got to take a class together last quarter, as we briefly mentioned in a previous episode. But I have to say, Greg, you made that. I'm just going to say it was a pretty boring class. You made it interesting because every Friday during lecture, we got to play a game called Find My Square. I don't know if you care to elaborate or not.
0: Ah, yes, well, those of you who have experience in the platform Zoom will see that if you don't have your camera on, the square will just light up with your name. And so I didn't really go to class to pay much attention. I was a senior who ended up getting a pass grade in the class. (laughs) So you can tell where my head was at, but I really wanted to provide some entertainment for the youngsters. And so I would change my name from time to time, and make Robbie go find my square, and I just wait for that text that would come in at nine o seven a.m.
1: <laughs> yeah, some of my personal favorites were Jonathan come lately, um, and then I think the first one ever was Billy Kimber, which is a Peaky Blinders character. And I had uh, no, I had no warning, so I was like, "Why is Billy Kimber in my class?" And then all of a sudden, it clicked. I'm like, "Oh, it's Greg." Um, but yeah you actually kind of bailed us out on the final project um, by rewriting Stan Eminem's song, but with econ terms.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, that was our creative project, our analysis project, as it was called. And we decided to rewrite the song Stan, got a little inspiration from Pete Davidson's excellent stew skit, from Saturday Night Live this past Christmas season. And so uh, using basically two terms, see, rewriting lyrics can be hard. Rewriting rap lyrics can be especially hard. But the real hard part of this task was not really learning much econ. And so we basically stretched a couple of concepts into two and a
1: half verses and made it count. Yeah, but it ended up working out in the end, so no complaints.
0: It did, it did. Sincerely yours, Greg. P.S., I'll be in office hours, too. Oh, so good. Do you want to say what grade
1: we got on that? We got an A. Shout out, Garrett Iyer. An A? What kind of A? An A+. Plus. 100%, baby. Let's go. Woo!
0: Yeah, it was. I was really proud of that. Uh, I had a great partner, and we had some great listeners during that live recording. Absolutely.
1: Uh, In other news um, about us going to college together, I got to experience your crazy competitive friends when I'm lucky enough to get invited over to the backyard. I think it's uh, pretty ridiculous, just the scene. I've seen people get tackled to the floor. I've seen your friends diving in the mud to get ping pong balls, and even housemates at odds with each other for some, I don't want to say stupid games, but in the grand scheme of things, unimportant. So that's, that's definitely been an interesting experience.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit fucked up how competitive we've all become. I think we've really developed a tight bond, this inner circle of about 10 to 12 people because our social options have been so limited. And I think that for the most part, we all did take COVID pretty seriously and not to the point where we wouldn't see anyone, but we would always try to hang out outside and keep it to a really small circle, especially during those winter months and way before people were able to get vaccines. So we all got really familiar playing a lot of games with each other. Uh, There wasn't a lot of excitement in our days. So maybe that just juiced us up when it came time for competition. But You kind of hit the nail on the head with the diving on the floor, tackling, army crawls to pick up ping pong balls. We had a wrist injury one time. Uh, You know, no noise ordinance tickets, though. We've been very good in that department.
1: Although, if I'm not mistaken, uh, we are somewhat close at one point.
0: Oh, yes. I was face to face (laughs) with a cop and used the words, oh, for sure, (laughs) while turning the volume notch to the left. But no ticket received. No ticket received. We got it out of that one. scot free.
1: (laughs) Well, you guys are obviously natural born competitors and it just um, becomes more apparent when you're out there in the backyard.
0: Yeah, you're right. But I don't want to just act like my inner circle is a little bit weird and we're the only ones because there's been a couple interesting moments regarding... Your inner circle, I mean, I've actually learned some scholarly terms such as crossroads theory. Still yet to have sufficient evidence there, but that's an interesting one. And then what is it like when you
1: metaphorically bring sand to the beach? Can you elaborate on that? Well, um, a certain individual who will remain anonymous compared having a girlfriend in college to bringing sand to the beach, which I thought was pretty hilarious. Yeah, you can tell that this guy is
0: just living it up right now. (laughs) He is elite. (laughs) Absolutely. Let's just say he might qualify for a big boy discount. (laughs) Wow, that is a big statement. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Big statement for a big boy.
1: Absolutely.
0: What else do we have? And of course, UCSB basketball, that was fun on episode 18 with Zevin and Alexander. We talked about my experience with broadcasting and following that whole team, but what was it like from your end as a freshman who had a really weird start to college at a school that's not really known for its athletics?
1: I got pretty into the team starting in the conference tournament and Definitely the most fun game was the Big West Tournament Championship actually came over to your house and watched with a lot of your friends while you were broadcasting in your room for KCSB. Um, And although we did listen to the ESPN3 broadcasters, I'm sorry to admit, it was fun how at the end of the game, you let me and a couple of your friends come in and... Do a little cheer, we'll say, um, to show our school spirit, And there may have been some Irvine slander by a certain Nico Becerra.
0: Oh, we love some Nico Becerra action. That guy had enough passion for three individuals, so didn't even matter how many came in to yell because you know he's going to bring the heat when it counts. And you can't apologize for listening to the ESPN stream. I mean, A, that's how you could get the video, and B... There
1: was a little bit of a volume discrepancy, right? Just just a tad. I think one of your counterparts might have been a few notches louder than you and the other color commentator. Uh, well, the challenges of remote broadcast <laughs> do have their ways of being heard. So,
0: you know, but yeah, that was fun. Uh, I had a dream a couple nights ago that I was telling you about where... We actually ended up winning that game against Creighton in the tournament. That one was a real stinger, but it was still cool to see us rally back on the national stage like that.
1: Yeah, especially as a freshman, it was cool to witness my school have a little uh, run in the NCAA tournament. And it made me excited for maybe when fans are allowed back in the arena next year to go watch some games. Totally. Yeah, we're going to have to really hit
0: the Thunderdome this next winter. And also special congratulations to Ja'Cory McLaughlin for winning Big West Player of the Year and Big West Tournament MVP. Such a tremendous growth from junior to senior year. And when I was lucky enough to talk to him over the summer, I was like, oh, I kind of get it. Like this guy has a really good outlook and the right attitude. And I actually texted him after the second Irvine game in conference play, very beginning of conference play, when. We seemed to have a lead and kind of let it slip away from us at the end, just telling him that he balled out to hang in there. And he was really weirdly positive after that. And so I was kind of like, huh, that's interesting. And then they went on to win 13 straight and get that March Madness berth in the end. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, Congrats to Jacori. And I really look forward to
1: seeing whatever those next steps are. Hopefully he'll get to the league. Yeah, I hope so. It'd be cool to have another gaucho in the NBA, of course, because Gabe Vincent is on the Heat. NBA Finals
0: participant.
1: That's Gabe right,
0: Vincent. Ah, well, since we are kind of on this train of optimism, I do want to move into what everyone's been waiting for, whether they know it or not. It's our it's our COVID thank yous, and the pandemic is not over. But we are both very thankful to have been vaccinated by now and have a little more flexibility in terms of socialization, especially outdoors in this beautiful state of California where the weather is nice. And I mean this sincerely when I say that I hope we can all extend our appreciation for a post-COVID reality far beyond the initial first few months. I truly hope that years down the line, We can value just the simple, basic moments of being with the people we care about and embrace some of the freedoms that we didn't have throughout this last year plus. So on maybe a slightly less serious note, Robbie and I wanted to read off some of our post-COVID thank yous, just a little back and forth action, uh, some of which we have already experienced and others we anticipate to experience in the near future. So here's to the moments we never thought would bring us such extreme gratitude.
1: Thank you, professor, for looking me in the eye. It means a lot. Thank you, friend,
0: for blowing me off. I realize that you have a real and legitimate excuse for not hanging
1: out today. Thank you, sketch bathroom on the side of Highway 101, for actually being open for public use. That's a good one. (laughs) Thank you,
0: party gods. I was able to hit on a girl who clearly wasn't into me, but at least I wasn't giving her COVID.
1: Thank you, angry fan for spilling beer on me while our team lost the game. It's nice to share this moment of misery together. Thank you, incompetent freshman, with whom I got into a bike accident. It's refreshing to be on my way back to campus. Thank you, airlines, for being 7% friendlier to me now. Although, given some information from a recent uh, source close to us, that might not be the case.
0: (laughs) So one can only hope, but back to it. Thank you, world, for letting me be able to do an awkward handshake, high-five, fist-bump hug thing
1: with a casual acquaintance. Thank you, family friend I met one time over 15 years ago. It's wonderful to have this enlightening and totally organic conversation not get interrupted by my shitty internet connection.
0: Thank you, drunk stranger who broke into my house in the late hours of the night. I'm much less stressed about this than I would have been five months ago.
1: Thank you, Chancellor Yang, for sending out an email about students returning to our vibrant campus community. I really appreciate your implementation of a specific timeline.
0: Thank you, Vocal Chords, for giving out the day of my big class presentation. It was a privilege to have to scream over others in that loud social setting last night.
1: Thank you, Broadcasting Partner, for cutting off my brother during his play-by-play. It's a real treat to hear your lovely insight with real crowd noise in the background. Thank you, Bartender, for kicking me out of your establishment. I've always wanted to do this. Thank you, kiss-ass classmate who makes pretentious comments without any substance, for sharing your valued opinion with us in person. Nectar sucks. (laughs) Thank you, all toxic human beings.
0: I'm grateful to now have the option to punch you in the face.
1: Thank you, Alarm Clock, for giving me a real reason to get up and out of my bed.
0: Thank you, annoying friend of a friend I was forced to invite to my social plan, for showing up and blessing me with your presence. Wow.
1: Doesn't that give you a whole new perspective on the world? Well, now I'm excited to return to normal.
0: Yeah, I mean, who knows what normal is going to be, but if I can get all of these moments to happen to me... I think I'm going to just look at the world through a lens of extreme gratitude at all times. Without
1: a doubt. Which moment are you looking forward to the most? Ooh, um... I really have been missing my alarm clock, so probably having a real reason to get out of bed. Nice. That's a good one. What about you? I'm probably most looking forward to getting kicked out of a
0: bar because... Since turning 21, I really haven't had a bar experience to this date,
1: and now I'm 22. So we'll have to make it a point to get you kicked out at your first opportunity.
0: Well, we've already had one close relative have that reality, so I would just be a copycat. Yeah, you can use it as a template. Ah, well, this has been such a blast. I feel so much more optimistic now, and I don't even think it's just the caffeine. I think this is... Real love in the air, and no, not Jordan Love. Wow,
1: too soon.
0: But it's it's the topic of the podcast. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, can't believe we've already gotten to this point. It's gone so fast. But it is, shout out to, and don't worry, we have more than just a couple. Would you like me to start? I think you should begin, yes. Well, I would like to shout out Eric Collins, the animated play-by-play broadcaster for the Charlotte Hornets. I don't know about you, but I have to feel good for the Hornets now that they're a pretty decent team with a promising future. He has made watching basketball even more fun than it already is. And for someone who does broadcasts on a much smaller scale, you have to love some good excitement. Hum diddly d.
1: <laughs> Why don't you go again?
0: <sighs> okay, well, you already know. Shout out to Bill. Still have yet to fully interact with him, but he has had a big presence on our inner circle
1: in these past six weeks.
0: Yay! Yay!
1: All right, well, I'd like to do my shout out now. It's actually to Brian Gutenkenst. I think he's one of the more underrated. I'm just messing with you guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would like to give my shout out to. One of Greg's dearest friends, Owen Finney, not only is he a great guy, but he's probably also the worst trash talker I've ever seen in my entire life. Anytime he tries to give anyone any shit during any sort of game, it seems that something almost always goes immediately wrong for him. It's almost like a charm. So, Owen, I don't know if you've been shouted out or not yet on Potty Train Me. Yes! So... He is the first person to have two shout-outs. Congratulations. You earned it. Yeah, I was going to say we actually
0: shouted out Owen Finney back on our NFL awards show, I believe, because it was right around the time of his birthday. So, Owen, you, I've hit the board more than once now. This is a big, big deal. Well, uh, just leave me with one more good shout-out, and maybe a little bit plain, but I just want to say shout out to the people who have already made a purchase on Etsy. Reminder to check out the store titled podcast merch, all one word, capital P, capital M on Etsy. See if you can qualify for that big boy discount. And again, I'm so thankful for your support. I've put a lot of time and effort into this project, but I've had an absolute blast making it happen. And I think that Given the topic of management in the NFL and what has been successful versus unsuccessful, I believe that pretty soon, although it's not finalized, but I'm willing to announce we're going to get someone pretty soon who actually knows a great deal about that topic. So
1: if you liked this episode, mm. you should definitely tune into that one. And that is how you do a tease, my friends.
0: woo <laughs> Tease McGee's.
1: Well, listen, thank you for another spectacular time recording, Robbie. Of course, you'll have to have me back on when Aaron Rodgers wins Super Bowl MVP for the Packers next year. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, actually, when Jordan Love
0: and Aaron Rodgers face off in the Super Bowl, Broncos Packers. Ugh, don't even say that. Just kidding. We all know if the Broncos get to the Super Bowl, it's going to be Drew Locke. Absolutely. Drew Locke, oh man, what a guy! Well, listen, uh, that was some good stuff, and you know, you're gonna have to be back on at some point soon because you are the cat who came back.
1: Thanks for having me on, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, of course. Um, can you say it? Yay! <laughs>